Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the Kibasa King Sports Extravaganza. Hey, 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 Yakshamash. Come to you too, Rona. You know, really, I love your style. I love the way you edit things together. Well, thanks for noticing. It's a real pain. We welcome to the show Christian Leitner. Yeah, I'm proud of my heritage, and my mother used to make a lot of delicious meals capusta, lumpy, pierogi, all that good stuff. I put sour cream on everything, and um, so a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Polish tradition there. Everybody, welcome back to an edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys go to Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com for all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, discussion. I am writer editor Jake Kokorowski. We got the Polish rifle Scott Wesniewski again reunited, and it does feel so good getting back on the horse of the podcasting train that we have here at Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And we got a fun announcement. We'll talk to you guys more about. Uh, a little later about a new podcast that is going to uh, complement the Bucky's Fifth Quarter Radio Network with a couple other writers uh, having some fun there, expanding our brand out there to you all. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, we also, let's see, 145, we're going to have Tex Western from the Acme Packing Company, our cousins at SB Nation that will talk about the Green Bay Packers. You know, they talk Green Bay Packers. Tex was actually at the scouting combine. We'll get his thoughts about the experience of covering it, along with his thoughts about uh, who stood out, him being a Wisconsin alum, uh, how he thought Robbie Havenstein and Melvin Gordon performed as well. Plus, we got some uh, a couple clips from text with uh, Melvin Gordon and his, uh, his many of you referred to it as a realistic or refreshing uh, interview. And uh, we're hopefully going to be joined by Brian Caribou in just a little bit talking more scouting combine. Obviously, it's a big thing this weekend, uh, talking about how uh, the big winners, the big losers, uh, all that in between. So hopefully he will get in touch with us shortly. But, Scotty, we'll, there lots happened since, obviously, we've uh, last done a show. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to work front to back in terms of a chronological order, but, I mean, the big one, uh, you know, obviously with the Packers and their coaching changes, but also the Milwaukee Bucks doubling their win total this past, uh, you know, before the All-Star break uh, from what was what it was last season, uh, and they also had a big trade right before the trade deadline last week. Yeah, the, the trade definitely is significant, and, uh, you know, we could talk about that. Let's start with just quickly the Packer news as a wrap-up. Uh, to the season. I mean, the biggest news that came out of it, some some stuff wasn't a surprise. I mean, nobody was surprised to see Slocum get let go. I don't think anybody was surprised that uh, 
Bostic got let go, or Brad Jones for that matter. Um, I'm surprised that, I mean, there's probably some rules that say you can only do things at certain. I'm surprised Bostic wasn't released the next day. And I we talked about it after the the, the, the NFC title game. I don't blame the loss isn't Bostic's fault. What what is Bostic's fault is he was pegged by many people coming into the season as a guy who could emerge as the best of the tight ends and the most productive offensively. That never happened. He was primarily a spe- uh, special teamer, and you can't. I don't. I guess the the not catching the onside kick isn't what bothers me. What bothers me is his job was he was supposed to block on that play. He went into business for himself, and it didn't work out. So I think it was an overall really a guy who just didn't develop like they had hoped, and then there was no way he was ever going to, from a public relations or a fan standpoint, get a fair shake here anyway after the the championship game. So that wasn't a surprise. Brad Jones was was grossly ineffective. The fact that the the Seattle Seahawks said that they ran the fake field goal play specifically because they knew Brad Jones was on the field and he was going to bite tells you a little bit something about him as a player. What surprised me of all the moves was Mike McCarthy uh, not being the play caller anymore. I think it's a good move. Don't get me wrong. And I don't think he's a bad play caller. He's an off- He's a very good offensive mind. I think sometimes when you're caught up in, in other things and you have to worry about calling plays too and, and you have everything going on, sometimes I think you know he's been criticized for being too conservative. Maybe that had something to do with it. Whatever the reason is, the fact that he's not doing that, I was a little surprised that it, that he that, that decision was made. Uh, I I don't think it's a bad decision. I just didn't see it coming. I guess. Right, and yeah, there's a lot of changes, and to really help talk with us about the process, about some of the offseason changes, plus the NFL scouting combine that's still ongoing today. We welcome Cheesehead TV's own and good friend of the show, Brian Caribou. Brian, uh, like what Scotty said, ha- by the way, happy Sunday to you. And, and, and let me ask us, uh, any, what's the most shocking offseason move the Packers have done so far, in your opinion? Uh, the most shocking move so far? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I would say probably the uh, taking away the play calling duties from Mike McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of just the, the fallout from that with Tom Clements being moved to associate head coach Edgar Bennett becoming offensive coordinator. So kind of all those things kind of uh, all, you know, have a relationship there. Because, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it was really necessary for that to happen. I, I'm kind of, you know, neutral to the idea. Uh, because, well, some people, I think you complain about Mike McCarthy in the heat of a moment during a game that, oh, you, you would have ran the ball instead of passed it or vice versa. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he calls what? You know, there's thousands of plays over the course of the season and not, you, you know, you're not going to agree with every single one. The, the, the fact of the matter is the Packers have pretty much had a perennial top ten offense pretty much ever since Mike McCarthy's come to Green Bay. Uh, so I think he's done a pretty darn good job by and large. Um, that doesn't mean I don't think Tom Clemens can't do a good job or Edgar Bennett or, you know, however you want to break it down. Uh, but uh, I'm fine with McCarthy kind of taking the, the big picture, uh, kind of take, take a look at some of those things and more game management. So that, I think that was probably the most surprising to me. 
Well, Brian, you know, it's funny. Uh, offensive coordinators seem to be like third base coaches in baseball. You always seem to hate the one you have when things don't go the way you want or when a third base coach <laughs> sends a guy home and he gets thrown out. So I, I think that's one of those uh, kind of cyclical things where, you know, the grass is always greener. But as we look at this off season, there are some important things, uh, obviously, there's a load of players that the Packers uh, that are their own free agents that they're looking to re-sign depending on the price and that sort of thing. Of the free agents, obviously Cobb stands out as, as does uh, Bulaga. Which ones are the most important and which ones do you think they're going to actually be able to re-sign? Yeah, I think Cobb and Bulaga are priorities A and B and they are far and of everybody else. You know, I, I think it's just imperative that they get those two guys done, and I think they will get it done. I, I don't think there's much of a chance either of them leave Green Bay. I, I think that's a really a remote possibility. Uh, it's just, you know, coming to, uh, you know, hammering out all the details with them. But the guy like Cobb, it's, it's a matter of years, I think. Uh, you know, he's still really young, so he may not want to sign a long-term contract like uh, four or five years. He might want to do a, a two or a three deal, and it's all about guaranteed money with these guys, too. You know, how much of it's going to come in the form of a signing bonus? So I think those are the things, you know, they're they're probably negotiating right now with, with guys like Blog and Cobb. Beyond them, uh, you know, I, I get asked all the time, what are the Packers going to do at cornerback? Is, is it Devon House or Tremont Williams going to come back and go Jared Bush in there too? Uh, and that's one place I really don't have much of a feeling for uh, because, for one, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, how much money are the Packers going to have left over after signing Bulaga and Cobb. And uh, I, I don't really know how to prioritize it. Uh, you know, forced to guess, uh, I would say they would try to re-sign House for Tremont Williams just because of the thing. Uh, but you never know. Uh, I mean, Devon House might want to go somewhere different where he has the chance to be a starter and things like that. Uh, so it's a real tough one to peg. Uh, but, you know, the, the Packers have more than a dozen guys who are free agents. I, I think it's a given Cotton Neal comes back because I don't think he'll break the bank. Uh, I, I think he's the kind of setting himself up to be the primary backup next year. So those are some of the priorities as I see them. We're here with Brian Caribou, Cheesehead TV, here on Bucky's Fifth Quarter in the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. And, you know, most of the time you see with free agency, Ted Thompson usually goes the way of the NFL draft and with the scouting combine this weekend. Uh, let's start off with a little bit more of a Wisconsin flair before we go into the bigger winners and losers uh, from, from you know, the four-day, seven-day extravaganza that they have down in Indianapolis. Uh, your thoughts on Melvin Gordon's day yesterday as well as uh, kind of a rougher patch for Robbie Havenstein uh, a couple days earlier. Yeah, uh, Gordon, I think, is, you know, arguably the top back in the NFL. I, I think it was tough, not early, was healthy. I might have him as number one. 
maybe because he, he adds a little bit more kind of as a return specialist and, and things like that. But I think there's very little separating those two as it is. And, you know, I thought Melvin Jordan had a very nice day. He had one of the top 40 times among the backs. And, and for being a guy who had a little bit more size than him, it, it, some of these guys who have the fastest 40 times are your little speedsters who aren't carrying a lot of weight. Melvin Gordon has pretty good size for a running back, so for him to have a you know a fairly fast time, uh, I think is rather impressive. So uh, I think he's a physical specimen. Uh, I always used to hesitate at the Jamal Charles comparisons, uh, especially coming into 2014, because you know the the Melvin Gordon's first two seasons in the NFL. He had, like, three receptions in two years. And it, Jamal Charles had, like, 70 in one season. And, and I was always like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see the Jamal Charles here. But finally, this past year, in 2014, uh, Melvin Gordon finally started becoming involved in the passing game. Not to a huge extent, but I think some of the passes he caught – you know, not just the check down, but far downfield, I, I thought were really impressive. So I, I'm starting to see it now. I do believe it. Uh, and, and I think he's one of the top backs in the draft. Havenstein, it's, it's interesting with him. You know, he he's obviously huge and, and didn't really test very well in a lot of the, uh, you know, the measurable things like the he's one of the slower off lines there. Uh, but, you know, he could have said the same thing about uh, another defensive line uh, just a year or two ago there who ended up going to the Cowboys in the first round. He didn't, you know, test well at the combine. Spends a first round draft a very good player for them. So uh, it's the same situation I've seen. Um, you know, I, I, he is what he is. He's not going to be high-round draft pick. Uh, he's not a versatile guy, he's very much a true right tackle. Um, so uh, he, he's much pulled out. But uh, I think he does have the possibility to be a good right tackle in the end. We're here with Brian Caribou, Cheesehead TV. Uh, talking with us about the NFL Combine uh, and talking about the Packers, obviously, the great stuff that he does on Railbird Central, his podcast, that which both Scotty and I have had the opportunity to jump on board and discuss and, and, and talk a lot of Packers and among other fun news and notes. Have been, and, Brian, I mean, you know, going with the, the scouting Combine, uh, winners and losers in your book uh, over the past few days. Just couldn't hear you. Could you repeat that? Yeah, 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 not a problem. Uh, what were some of the winners and losers from uh, this weekend's NFL Combine, in your opinion? Uh, so, kind of my answer with this is, you know, I, I, the media at the Combine, when you're there, you are not allowed to watch the workouts. Uh, so for when, when I'm there, I'm simply there for, for eight hours a day, constantly interviewing clubs for shuffle into the, the, the media. I really, truth, have not have seemingly little of the combine uh, itself. You know the the workouts and people, you know, occasional glimpse of television. Uh, 
so I could maybe tell you a little bit about the winners and losers in the interview room. Shed a little behind the scenes there. I, I just know that uh, this is an one of the more mind that sticks up uh, top of my head is that uh, Damian Wilson, an instant linebacker from the University of just because kind of how funny and engaging he was, it is kind of interesting just the Packers being instant linebacker. This guy, Damian Wilson, he's not like a top prospect by any means, kind of considered eight-round kind of guy. Uh, but I do think he's underrated, first of all. He kind of comes from the football program at Minnesota. That's, you know, not really thought of as this top program, but I think he really did first this past year as kind of a good player and under the radar But I just know he, he was asked a couple of questions uh, that just got me laughing as you sit there talking to him. And it was the kind of being uh, a new – it will be surprised at the multiple aspects poke you and prod you, and, and the NFL team not literally laying on your aim with joints to see if there's any problems. And like, get it? The grocery store, you check the expiration date, a curtain of milk, and he compared that, and it's just a little thing. And on top of that, asked about uh, the dash, and he's like, you know, you could have groups seasons uh, in the world, and um, and, and it's for our dash, but so he said, I've been seeing both past months that being a dash as a star. That's kind of, you know, it seems best from we're here with Brian Caribou, CheeseheadTV.com, and, and good stories there. Uh, and, uh, you know, Brian, anything else? Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's been great having you on. Uh, anything else that's coming up for you guys on Cheesehead TV? Anything that's going to happen with you guys for, uh, obviously, you guys have that great uh, draft preview. Is that coming out soon then? And we lost both of them. Uh, it's okay, guys. We'll, uh, I'll, I will try to touch base there as Brian one more time. Brian, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Perfect. All right. Sorry about that. I have a little bit of technical difficulties. You're breaking in a little bit in and out, but then, of course, that's the majesty of live Internet radio, right? Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, But with that, uh, let me ask you about this then. You know, like uh, What's come up for you guys on Cheesehead TV? You guys have a lot of good things going on, obviously, with – uh, you guys have usually an annual draft preview. Is that coming up for you guys? Are you guys starting to build that out? Uh, and, and what else is going on for you guys? Yeah, exactly. Now that the combine's done and you kind of get all these measurables and things like that, you get a lot better idea of how these guys relate to one another and can start ranking them and things like that more accurately, I think. So, yeah, all of a sudden our efforts on our draft guide are going to be ramping up. I think it's actually going to go on sale this upcoming week at Cheesehead TV, on which readers can pre-order it. By pre-ordering it, you get it at a lower price. Uh, you also get it guaranteed delivery by a certain date. So uh, encourage if anybody out there is interested in an NFL draft guide purely from a Packers perspective and kind of how 
you know, prospects fit into their offense and defense systems. Uh, this is uh, something I think you'll enjoy. Uh, over a hundred pages, uh, so it's uh, so really you know one of the biggest projects we do at Chiefs Media. Really proud of it, and think our readers like it as well. So that's coming up very soon. Well, Brian, real quick, I just uh, first of all, I love the I love all the draft stuff you guys do, and I really can't wait to talk draft. I, I I'll be honest, and I I I do march a beat of a different drummer, so to speak. But the combine and national signing day to me are two of the uh, things that interest me. I don't want to say interest me the least, but to me seem very overhyped. I, I worry about the combine because I think guy, millions of dollars are lost individually because they're they didn't run the best forty time that day, or because um, they they're. Uh, their jumping ability on that day wasn't as good as what it looked like on film. And sometimes I think it makes scouts lazy or lazier than they sometimes already can be. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, I know it is crucial because it's going to affect a lot of people's draft boards. People are going to look at it. They're going to rank guys higher or lower, even though, like I said, they have years and years of tape that, that sometimes becomes null and void because of one bad day at the combine. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I just wrote an article the other day comparing uh, uh, two of the top inside linebackers at this year's draft class, uh, Denzel Perryman of uh, Miami and Bernardrick McKinney of Mississippi State. And what makes them so different is there are two of the shorter and taller linebackers at the Combine, Perryman uh, measuring in at less than 5'11", and Kenny, he's almost like six foot five, and it's like you know, what what you're right is like what what matters is what they do on the field, and what you know what the film shows, and that's how they should be evaluated. But it's 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 what it does is you're able to during the combine kind of put all the pieces together. It's not that being short is a negative or being too tall. But you start getting these measurements and, 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 you know, how accurate they are. They measure these guys to the eighth of an inch. And then uh, you realize they're maybe a little bit slower because of the long limbs or the short limbs that, you know, that, that you know, for a tall guy, uh, it takes you a little bit longer to get, get up speed, get moving. And for a short guy, you have to take that many more strides. Uh, as opposed to the prototype. So it's almost a little bit like confirmation, I think, with these guys. You, are, you, you start to understand why they might be a little bit slow by, by you know, uh, seeing these measurements and things like that. So I, that's, I, I think it's interesting in that way, uh, kind of confirmation rather than, uh, you know, just dependent on a measurement itself as evaluation. Brian, as yeah, always, and, and, oh, go ahead, Scotty. I, no, I'm sorry. And I also think there is some benefit to some of the one-on-one time that a lot of the GMs get a chance to have, you know, prior to drafting. I mean, I think that – I think I'm not saying there's no value to it. I just think that sometimes people can be graded, uh, maybe sometimes unfortunately, just because of something that doesn't go their way at the combine, I guess. That, I guess that was my overall point in there. Yeah, yes. And I mean, there's a lot of facets to the combine. You know, the medical checks are certainly obviously a thing, you know, NFL teams are interested in, the one-in-one interviews where you get to know a guy and things like that. So 
lot of different aspects to it, no doubt. Excellent. Hey, Brian, as always, it's been great talking with you, my friend, and we'd love to have you back on, especially coming up in the uh, next month or two with the NFL draft leading up. Uh, are you going to be at uh, Wisconsin's Pro Day on the 11th? I hope to be, yes. I, I haven't checked my calendar yet here, but uh, yeah, I, I, more than likely I will be there. All right, sounds good. I may have to have a brew with you over at Lucky's down on Regent Street. Uh <laughs> Uh, after after a very long day of covering the event. So, uh, but Brian, always thanks for coming on. We we love talking with you down the road. Sounds good, guys. We'll talk to you later. Guys, that's Brian Caribou. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter at Brian Caribou, C-A-R-R-I-V-E-A-U. Uh, and also follow Cheesehead TV. They do great stuff over there. Uh, we're going to take one quick break because we're going to play some audio real quick of Melvin Gordon uh, talking about uh, Corey Clement uh, going in uh, talking about that. We got that from our buddy Tex Western. He'll join us at 145. But for now, about 45 second clip of Melvin talking. We'll be right back. Corey Clement being the next guy from Madison. What kind of a back is he? Yeah, I'm excited about Corey. You know, I'm I'm really excited about him. He works so hard. He works like a you know a, a senior with you know his last chance, his last game to show anybody what he got and uh you know he's just he's balanced and his, his vision is, is is great you know he sees some things i just he do some things and i'm just like wow you know it's you know he's just it's, it's he's stronger than most people think um he's faster than what most people think and his vision and his cuts um will get him places so i'm excited to watch Corey. um he's grown he's a smarter football player and and uh you know he'll be ready to take on this team and carry the carry the team carry wisconsin next year Everybody, welcome back. Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza, of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. Make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter for all your Badgers news and notes. Uh, we have a good article up talking about Robbie Havenstein's uh, week that was. Uh, not necessarily, obviously, the best that he was looking at, but, uh, he, you know, he was, uh, you know, we had an article on Bucky's Fifth Quarter that I wrote uh, early yesterday just kind of breaking down some of the stuff that, uh, that he was talking, you know, that basically overall what, you know, um, how it shouldn't necessarily be the end-all, be-all. And obviously we had that chat with Brian Carew just a couple minutes ago about that. Now, just to recap Melvin Gordon's day yesterday, uh, we'll get an article up about this on Bucky's fifth quarter shortly. One of our writers is working on it now. 40-yard um, dash for Melvin Gordon, one of the top five uh, out of the running backs, 4.52. Bench press, 19 reps, not necessarily high compared to uh, some of the others, uh, like Amir Abdul, I think we've had 24, 25 reps. Vertical jump, 35 inches. Broad jump, uh, one of the top performers with 126 inches. 
his cone drill 7.04 came in second behind Amir Abdullah and running backs. Uh, he blazed in the uh, one of the top performers. No, that was 4.7 seconds. Sorry, that was the 20-yard show. He was a top performer, and um, that was right behind Amir, Amir Abdullah. Uh, his three-cone drill was uh, 7.04 seconds, and then his 60-yard shuttle was 11 seconds. According to uh, many media that was there, uh, along with the performers at 11 seconds, uh, best for a running back since 2006. Last year, Brandon Cooks, now uh, part of the St. Louis, not St. Louis, New Orleans Saints, uh, had uh, 10.72 seconds. So, I mean, that 60-yard shell is a really good number there. kind of shows the versatility and the change of motion, uh, the balance, and, and just the explosion out of those cuts. Uh, that's one of the drills. That, that's what you're looking at out of, out of a running back there. Uh, and, and so Melvin had a pretty good day, uh, pretty good day. Some people, I, I you know, Scott, I don't get it. Like 4.52 seconds is great for a running back, especially one that's 6'1", 215. And, you know, some people on NFL.com, they say they labeled it a disappointment because they thought he'd be more explosive. Again, I, again, I don't – that's why I hate talking about the combine. I think the I think in, in some ways stuff like that is stupid. It, it's football stupid because if you're going to tell me because he didn't run a 4-4 that he can't play in the NFL, we're talking about a 40-yard dash. Well, the average yards per carry for a good running back is 4.5 yards. So what's his 4.5-yard uh, dash time? I, I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, I know I get criticized for the, for the stance, but do you understand how often are, are, are running backs – uh, running 40 and 60 yards uh, in a season. I mean, you know, in college maybe more, but in the NFL, how often does that happen? And, and guys are being judged because their 40-yard time is a tenth of a second too slow. It's just it's stupidity. It, to me, it's football dumb. It really is. And, and yeah, I mean, it, no, I agree. It, 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 and that was my point when I said, you know, people will lose millions of dollars because they're going to be dropped 10 slots in a draft because – of that because of a measurable like that, which what, what I, I, and, and I guess I also, when I mentioned that in national signing day, I, the Kentucky Derby can go right up there too, for most overhyped, <laughs> ridiculous sporting events in, in sports, but what, whatever. Uh, uh, we also want to get into, maybe we'll do this next week. Cause we talked a little bit about the Packers with Brian of signing your own free agents. We, we didn't get a chance to see if there's good, if they're going to make a run at a big name free agent, it might be tough unless they free up some money. So does that mean they might cut Julius Peppers? Does that mean A.J. Hawk doesn't come back? But we've got some weeks to get into that because free agency hasn't opened yet. But just, you know, just some other Packer nuggets uh, before we shift gears here. Right. And, you know, and back to your point quick, I I understand why they have the combine. You see guys like Kevin White out of West Virginia, people, kind of a raw talent, runs a four three five. Uh, he's up there as one of the top wide receiver picks. Could go in the top 10, uh, definitely top 20 uh, out of the Packers length. Not that they necessarily will go after a wide receiver uh, based off of uh, you know the, the intent to re-sign Cobb or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, some guys make their money there. Uh, others can right. lose it. And it, it, yeah, but you know, the biggest part I think, you know, and someone mentioned this on Twitter. I don't know who it was, but they said, "How about we do it?" You know, or even on the radio is, "Hey, let's put the NFL Network. Let's put." Let's put the interviews on. Let's put the interviews. On. I think the interview room would be much more entertaining compared to 
You know, let's hey, let's have that. I mean, obviously it'd be awkward a little bit, but it's also you get into someone, you know, you get into the player's head. What's being said? And you can only be select players and whatnot. But imagine what you know. Imagine just someone. I mean, you're looking at ratings that are high, but well, also get into the if, mind if of a, a player. player Right, and if he feels awkward about that, maybe he doesn't belong in this league because we talk about media obligations and having to, to be able to handle you know people hearing your words and listening to what you say. So why not? I mean, I don't I don't know why. I, 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 we can talk more about that next combine. Hopefully, I I think I've, <laughs> I've tapped out of combine talk for the for the rest of the year. Yeah. So now we'll uh, obviously we'll have some audio from UW's pro day coming up on March 11th. Uh, we'll talk. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk with Melvin Gordon, Rob Havenstein, also a bunch of former Badgers, now former Badgers, guys like Warren Herring, uh, and, and among others, Derek Landish. Uh, I don't know if I have to get the official tally from uh, from the UW Athletic Communications uh, Department, seeing who will exactly run. But I mean, I think a guy that's really undervalued would be a guy like Derek Landish, who had nine sacks last year in a three-four defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, the race, you know, I think he's from race. Am I afraid he's from? No, he's not from racing, but. That's Marcus Trotter. But even if Marcus yeah. Trotter, granted, he's a little slow uh, from what many people say there, but how many times have you heard someone play slow and he's a cornerstone of a defense? So uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. But, you know, obviously we we, uh, we have Tex Western coming on about 145-ish, talking some more, just t- getting his experience. Kind of, I want, we kind of want to angle it in a way of just talking about how the experience was for him. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about that. Uh, and uh, he gave us some of that great audio from Melvin Gordon. Sure, but, we'll, 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 we'll play so the that, other top. That being said, then, we've boxed ourselves into a small window to talk bucks. So let's let's transition yeah. into some of that because they're the hottest, uh, hottest team going into the All-Star break. They're the hottest team record rise in basketball. And, and they did something interesting. And, and We can talk about the trade, and, and we will. And then I want to talk a little bit about – uh, what I think of it, and maybe your thoughts. So obviously, you get back three players uh, of, of uh, Rookie of the Year from last year uh, in Carter Williams, and then you get Plumley and and you know your guy who can help out and, and be a body body for you. But uh, it, this is the, the problem I had with the mentality. I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be a bad trade, but I just want. I just want to point a few things out that seem to be flags to me, okay? In addition to the injury concerns for MCW and his attitude issues, if for everybody who's saying this is a great move, and it could very well be, but for everybody who's guaranteeing that this is a great move, why would a team be so willing to get rid of a, a player like that then? I know Philadelphia's been in this rebuild and tanking mode for a couple of years, but still, you've got a guy who's young enough who's going to be under your control for a while, and the other thing I keep hearing is, well, you know, Brandon, you know, if you send Brandon Knight to a $7 million contract, then you would have a hard time in three years signing uh, Parker. Well, first of all, you don't play for three years down the road. Secondly, even with Carter Williams, if he pans out the way you think, he's going to want money in, in, with his contract, but you're still going to have a hard time uh, signing Parker in three years. So you haven't really made the situation any different other than the fact that you have a little bit of money immediately that you could use for other free agents. But it's not going to affect what happens with Parker's contract because it's still in that time frame before Parker's second contract would come up. So, you know, if, if the Bucks made this move because they think Williams is a better player and they didn't think they could re-sign Knight, great move. If they did it because they didn't want to pay Knight, bad move. Because then you're just right back into the the whole mentality of, oh, we're not going to pay guys. 
Um, they did the right thing by exercising the buyout on what was one of the worst contracts in history in Larry Sanders. And I don't just mean money-wise, because there were worse money contracts. I guess I mean in overall production and whether or not he deserved the contract. The, the jury's out, and we're going to see. I mean, it's gonna, we'll see how he pans out at Carter Williams here. Obviously, he's got to get over the foot injury. Hopefully, he's close to the playing and getting on the court. But big game today against Atlanta, the best team in the East, and they're going to have to do it without Carter Williams because I don't think he's playing today either. No, yeah, it's a, it's a toe injury, if I'm not mistaken, that he yeah, has. Right. And, uh, I mean, you know, you'll get some of his averages. Right now his career average is six point, 16 points a game, 6.2 rebounds, 6.7 assists, uh, and a shade under two steals uh, in 111 career games. And it's it's one of those. Uh, I mean, he ranks eighth this season in the NBA with 7.4 assists per game. I mean, he's a tall kid. He's what six six, and it's just one. Of, you know, so I mean, it's, they're gonna have a very tall lineup. And you know, I guess the one thing I'll defer to, and obviously I'm not the I'm not the biggest basketball analyst uh, here on Bucky's fifth quarter or anywhere, but one thing Magic Johnson said uh, on Twitter, and he said this saying, you know, MCW Michael Carter Williams. You know, we'll have the chance to be the next Jason Kidd, and who's coaching him? Well, it's Jason Kidd, and so I'm wondering. You know, I mean, I mean, it's lofty expectations, but uh, if they see, if if Jason Kidd and John Hammond see that MCW can be the next Jason Kidd, and obviously he's got, he's not the greatest shooter out there. It's been well documented, right? Which I guess um, that that fits the mo that Kidd had because Kidd wasn't a great shooter either. Right, so but I think you know. And then he became one. He became a better shooter as time went on. So I mean, that he worked hard at that. But but so that's true. He's because right now uh, Carter Williams is a bad shooter and a terrible three point shooter. And uh, you named some good stats off. Great, those were good stats. But stats don't tell the full story unless you use them all. And here's another stat I don't like: too many turnovers. So right. that's great that he that he's, he's seven assists is great, but four turnovers is not. I mean, that's not a two-to-one ratio, and, and you want at least the two-to-one ratio from your point guard. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you want that. Um, and it's – they'll have to – I mean, they'll, they'll have to write it out with this. I mean, you look at Brandon Knight. Uh, let's look at his stats real quick. Almost 18 points a game, four point, uh, four rebounds, five assists, just a shade over five assists. And, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, and it's just uh, over two seasons with the Bucks, And it was a great – I mean, it was rough because I, you know, there were rumors going out there beforehand. Would they trade Knight? Do they feel they could get, you know, keep him for a reasonable price? Obviously, and it, yeah, I mean, obviously they didn't think so. Uh, but like you mentioned, if it's because they don't think he could pay him, good trade. If it's not, well, if it was just because they thought MCM might be a better player, uh, I mean, the jury's out for that. We'll see. Uh, but well, there's I mean, one it, stat you forgot though. There's one stat you forgot that you can't really put a number on with Brandon Knight, a leader. Everybody yeah. will tell you, Steve Haywood tell, would tell me, everybody who's been in the locker room, he's a leader. He's the person everybody deferred to. So um, that's the one thing that, that's hard to replace. Now, I know they're not trying to win now. They're trying to win later, and I get that. So that's fine enough. But um, uh, he, he, that's a hard thing to replace. I mean, there is no doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it's uh, we'll see how they do. Obviously, they're playing well. There's a sixth seed in the East, which no one uh, expected necessarily. Uh, yeah. But you have a 
you have the way with their how they're leading, uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays off. I mean, obviously they won their first game against Denver out on Friday, but they're sitting 31 and 23, just about a game and a half out of the five seed in Washington, uh, out of Washington, and, and they're sitting a good eight games ahead of Miami for the, who's in the seventh spot. Uh, so, uh, but I mean, right now they're eight games over, no 500. No one thought that that would happen. Uh, but also, you know, they did a couple thing, other things. Uh, they, the Larry Sand. One, they let's just talk real quick. Uh, Kenyon Martin. They released. Uh, you know, yeah. Teams. Well, they had. They're getting three players for one. They had to do. They had to clear some spots on the roster, and they, two of them. One was Sanders, and the other one, obviously, Kenyon Martin. Right. Well, then they also uh, part of that trade too was Kendall Marshall. Uh, going to Phoenix as well, and he uh, more of a obviously a reserve role, but four points, one rebound, three assists. He tore his ACL uh, in right. January, in January. So best of luck to him. A lot of, from what it sounds like, a lot of people liked him, uh, and they hope that he'll he can be resigned in a reserve role next year, according to some players. But uh, the bigger sure. news was uh, coming up late, you know, late this past week, and you have obviously along with the trade, you have requesting the waivers on Larry Sanders, which came out about 18 hours ago. Uh, and obviously it was reported for that. And it, it's a really unfortunate situation. And you wish Larry Sanders the best and hopefully he gets his future, you know, shaped up in his life together. Uh, but uh, a very, you know, rough situation, but the Bucks uh, decided to request waivers on him uh, yesterday. Yeah. Well, that, they actually lucked out that they were able to do that because that contract was going to be a rough one to get out from under, uh, it's unfortunate because, uh, you know, they they overpaid the guy. There's no doubt about it. Um, I didn't like the deal when it happened. So I think from that standpoint, good for them that they were able to not have to pay him the entirety of that contract because they weren't going to find anybody to trade for him. Um, why would you? Um, but this is why I said, you know, I said it on the radio. I said it on the air when it happened. The reason why it was one of the worst contracts in history wasn't the money. Because I know people say Tim Thomas got paid more and John Sellins got paid more. But Tim Thomas actually did something in this league before they signed him. And so did Salmon. Um, what did Larry Sanders do other than have one half half a season of, of playing good defense? What, I mean, what did he do? Uh, he wasn't an offensive guy. You don't pay defense. You pay for offense in the NBA. That's always been the case. You know, people talk about guys like Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace was the number four star on that Detroit team when they won a championship. You know, you had Billups, uh, you had Rip Hamilton. So, I mean, you know, they were bringing Sanders in. Now, they got lucky with Giannis, okay? But if, if, if Giannis didn't do what he had ended up doing, they were signing Larry Sanders when they signed him last year to be the face of this organization. They were signing him to be the guy. So, yeah. to me, it was a, the, the process was flawed. They didn't vet it out very well because of all the off-the-court issues. And on the court, you know, it turns out he doesn't have the love or the desire to even play the game. So, I guess that might, that's why I call it the worst contract in Bucks history. And now they're out from under it, so it's not anymore. But if they would have had to pay that thing out into its entirety, that would have been disastrous for this organization who worries about every nickel and dime as it is. So, I'm glad they were able to do it. I'm glad that he's gone. Because, uh, and whether or not he becomes a... He figures it out. Honestly, I, I, I'm not trying to be cal- – I don't care at this point. You know, I, I have very little patience the older I get with people who are who have a gift and are given an opportunity to, to you know, make some good money and, and become 
set themselves up for the rest of their life and they can't get out of their own way. I, I just, I have very little patience anymore for that. And, you know, if he does great, if he doesn't, won't surprise me either. Now coming up for the Bucks, obviously they play today. If you guys are out there, two thirty, uh, about forty-five minutes away from now, two thirty p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, and, and let me say this: I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but let me say this: you can get tickets. They had a family night, and I think they're doing it for Atlanta tonight too, where you can get four tickets, four slices of pizza, and four drinks for sixty-nine dollars. So people who say, and I hear it, I hear stupid people all the time say, oh, the bucks are too expensive. They're not, okay? They're not. So, you know, put your money where your mouth is now. They've been playing good ball. All people, I'm not going to any games because they're not any good. Well, they're good now. So there's no excuse. It's a Sunday. I'm sure you're done with your church stuff. If you went to church or anything you had to do around the house, there's still time if you're living in Milwaukee, if you can hear my voice. Go, go, go and enjoy. They're playing the number one team in the East. Let's see how they stack up. Go out there and get some tickets. Yeah, uh, and I mean they have. You have a couple times this week. You'll have today. You'll have Wednesday night against the Philadelphia 76ers at seven o'clock. Uh, it's a busy week for them. They got five games in seven days. You got Atlanta. They go tomorrow down to Chicago, not too far off a trip. Come back up uh, to the Bradley Center to take on. Sixers in Philadelphia uh, of Philadelphia on Wednesday, but then they have, they start their uh, road trip. It looks like you got on uh, Friday, Friday and Saturday the Lakers and Utah, and then coming up uh, the week after you have uh, they're at the Nuggets and they're at Golden State. So I mean they have a West Coast swing coming up, uh, but a busy time, and we'll see what this team does now. We'll see if MCW gets back onto the court. So uh that'll be you know there's a lot cool. of winnable games in that stretch i'm sorry but the two bookends yeah. are tough you got atlanta and then golden state atlanta to start this run and golden state to end it are the two top records in basketball and then in between some games they could win so uh, it should be fun the next few weeks should be interesting absolutely absolutely and so uh coming up uh well, let's let's take just a real quick break come back we'll play some audio it's about a 30 second take of melvin gordon at the combine uh, then we'll get on with uh, Acme Packing Company's Tex Western talking some just real quick his experience at the Combine. Come back, talk a little Brewers, uh, talk a little bit of the Daytona 500 possibly, uh, and we'll wrap it up from there. Obviously, WWE Fastlane, uh, Scotty and I uh, definitely have that wrestling background. We'll discuss a little bit about that too. So, guys, just take it easy. We'll be right back. Melvin, were you and Rob surprised or bummed that there are only two Badgers in the Combine this year? Um, you know, not not really, not really. You know, uh, some great key guys on our team, they got hurt, so I knew that would kind of affect them a little bit. Um, they they kind of killed their opportunity to come here. Um, but I do believe if we had some, if our guys were healthy, some of our guys were healthy, um, without a doubt, it would be more badges here.
We are back, everybody. Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza here, uh, part of the Bucky's Fifth Quarter Radio Network. Almost forgot that that about that little uh, nugget of information. We'll have a little surprise for you guys at the end of the show, talking about us expanding our podcasting network. Uh, but it'll for, even be a surprise to me, by the way. So. <laughs> it's been kind of this actually happened impromptu wise. We'll talk more about that. Uh, we made it to get this guy on the show as well. I know he's probably seen some of the Twitter stuff between Drew Ham, John Aarons, and myself. We got Evan Tex Western from Acme Packing Company, our cousins at SB Nation. Tex, how you doing, my friend? Doing great, guys. Thanks a lot. It's, uh, it's a cold week in Indianapolis this week, but uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff, a lot of interesting stuff going on, and uh, certainly a lot of a lot of interesting guys to talk to over the last four days or so. Well, let's talk about that real quick right off the bat. Obviously, uh, Scotty and I have not been down there. It's one of my bucket list things to get down there to cover a combine. Uh, once these, the twins are, are of age, maybe I can bring them. Uh, maybe, I, <laughs> But uh, we look at that. Uh, who, in your opinion, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the interviews that you've had, the experience, talk about your experience. Who are some of the, your favorite interviews and whatnot? Well, being a, a Wisconsin alum as I am, obviously I was excited to uh, to sit in on Melvin Gordon's press conference, and um, it, it was really interesting to kind of hear him talk about just the the, the process of going you know going come through Wisconsin and you know some of the the coaches that affected him, and then uh, talk to him a little bit about Corey Clement and he's real real excited for for Clement and the future of uh, the running game in Wisconsin. That was a lot of fun. Um, I think the most entertaining interview out of anybody was Michael Bennett from Ohio State. He's just kind of a he's a real loose, goofy guy. Um he started off talking about his Twitter account for a while. It was it was pretty fun, but uh he's one that uh you know, I as a as a Packer fan I would certainly wouldn't mind seeing him in, in Green Bay and you know, maybe a second round pick or something like that. But certainly, you know, getting a great guy off the field with him. Um and then I think of all the, the coaches and, and GMs that I that we talked to and, and that, that had press conferences. Um, probably not a big surprise that Rex Ryan was one of the most entertaining guys. He uh, he was actually pretty great because he kicked it off by just talking for three or four minutes about how something uh, about minor league baseball in Buffalo or something like that. So you know, he was he was eating up his, his clock time trying to trying to avoid questions. I think on that, but certainly, <laughs> uh, certainly was a fun guy to talk to. Now uh, my question about the combine, and I mean I've. You know, we I don't want to rehash it. I kind of went into it a little bit earlier on a tirade because I tend to go off on tangents sometimes about how sometimes the, 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 the numbers, the 40-yard time and the, the vertical jump times and the, the bench presses can and hurt guys sometimes if they have a bad day. And, you know, even though they have years of film that show that they're great football players, sometimes they can get downgraded. I don't want to go that route this time. Tell me a little bit about some of the guys that, that – feel that their their draft stock jumped up because they had a really good day on the combine. Maybe somebody that 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 from judging from what you heard or what you were able to talk to them about feels like they've actually improved their position. Some guys that we should be looking out for. Yeah, one guy who really stands out to me is wide receiver Trey McBride. He uh, he's out of William and Mary, so you know playing against FCS competition didn't get nearly as much notoriety as some of these other uh, these other top wideouts. But, you know, he did have uh, one game a season against an FCS team. You know, William Mary always schedules one game. And he, he played great in some of those games. And um, yeah, he measured in well, just over six foot, about 210. But he, he really jumped off the page in terms of 
uh, his testing. He he ran a four four flat forty, which was you know real impressive for uh, for a guy his size and, and who kind of went under the radar. And you know talking with him in in his interview, he was just a real kind of cool down to earth guy. You know kinesiology major, very much uh, you know understands the kind of the finer points of being a receiver. He takes a lot of pride in his route running and things like that. So you know his seeing his straight line speed. Um, come in that quick was was a nice little plus for him. So I think he definitely uh, is going to be going to be moving up a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean there's 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 so many guys you look at. Uh, Kevin White, the receiver from West Virginia, had a real good day running. Um, actually, you know Gordon Gordon tested out relatively well, but uh, yeah, the McBride is you know he came in probably a late a three pick, and I wouldn't be surprised at this point if. If you see him rising up into maybe you know the fourth round and maybe even cracking late in the third round on uh, when we get to the draft in May. Here with Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter. Pretty easy, pretty easy. Tex Western, just how you think it'd be spelled on Twitter. Uh, and also follow, of course, Acme Packing Company. You guys do great work over there. And I know I've done a couple. I done an article on Sam Barrington back uh, back last summer before uh, training. You know, before training camp really, really took off. But uh, you look now. I mean, you talked about Gordon having a good camp. You know, good uh, combine, I should say. Talk. You know, let me know what your thoughts are on him. I talked. We talked to Brian Caribou earlier about it. Uh, some people, I think NFL.com labeled his 40 as quote unquote disappointing, and some other. Twitter, some RotoWire NFL draft feed said that his 35-inch vertical leap was "quote unquote" disappointing. But uh, you take a look at what he did otherwise with a you know 11-second 60-yard shuttle, uh, being a top performer among a couple other categories and placing in the top five in the 40 amongst running backs. I would have to say he had a pretty decent day, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that was my reaction as well. Um, you, you nailed it. He was he was the fifth fastest 40 among all running backs and. Honestly, what I think you're seeing is I think we're actually seeing some slow times across the board this year. I don't know if there's something with the timing or, or what, what's going on, but it seems like there's you know guys that, that you expected to run faster that uh, that are just timing a little slower than than what you know what seems to make sense. So I, I wouldn't put really much of any stock into you know the fact that, that Gordon was over four or five. I'm I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned about the leap. The things that he does so well um, aren't necessarily things that are going to come through in just those those tests of one specific skill. I mean, his balance along the sideline is is mind-blowing, and, and that's not something that's going to get tested. And just, you know, just his vision, seeing holes through the offensive line, um, I'm not I'm not worried about that at all. I think if anything, you know, this what, what, what he showed well is, um, you know, he showed a great attitude in his press conference. Um, I have no no doubt in my mind that he interviewed well with all the teams that he talked to, and that's so much of this process too. Is is it these off the field interviews, teams getting to know guys a little bit, um, just just get to know the characters, kind of you know talk about football a little bit, talk about their schemes, see you know how much they really understand about what they're doing, and um, yeah, obviously that stuff's all behind closed doors, but. But I, you know, based on what I saw from Melvin, I have no question in my mind that uh, that he excelled in that part. You know, here's a, an interesting process question, because you always see every year uh, stories about, like, this guy's not going to throw at the combine, or this, this quarterback won't throw, or this guy's not going to do this. And they do it, a lot of times people say they don't want to hurt their draft stock, but doesn't it hurt their draft stock by not doing it? I mean, uh, you know, because there was the rumors, that, you know, with Winston and, and 
earlier that he wasn't going to throw, and then it turns out that he might have an injury. But the guys who don't want to do certain things that they're kind of expected to do when they get to the next level, does it? don't you think that sometimes that raises red flags when they opt out of some of those skills? No, I, I, it depends on where these guys are thought of at the beginning. Um, for the very, very top quarterback cross, prospects, I don't think it really affects a whole lot one way or the other whether or not the guy throws. Obviously, if he goes out and throws and looks, looks like crap, yeah, then, then that's a, a different story. But, you know, most of these guys, um, you know, I, I can't remember like a top five, top ten type of, of draft pick uh, quarterback who, who didn't throw and saw his stock plummet significantly as a result of that. I think a lot more is made of these guys throwing at their pro days anyway. Um, you know, it, they get in an environment that they're a little bit more comfortable in and, and where they know some of the receivers they're throwing to. I think that's that's probably what teams look for a little bit more um, just in terms of this process than, you know, than how, how a guy looks at, at Lucas Oil at the combine. So that's just my gut feeling. I've had a, a couple of people kind of tell me similar things that, you know, it's, it's it's not a big deal for the the top guys. Obviously, if it's the um, you know the mid tier guys, the lower you know lower round guys, that's a different story. I think one guy who really kind of um, it was unfortunate for him that he couldn't throw this week was Derek Grayson from Colorado State. I think he would have uh, you know he would have done a nice job if if he were able to go, but he had a little little injury. I think he he had a little tweak of the hamstring or something like that, and so he wasn't able to go. So. Um, but yeah, the, the, the very top level guys, I don't really know that it makes a ton of difference one way or the other personally. We're here with Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. And, you know, Tex, we appreciate your time on the show. And let me add, before we let you go, one question, more question on my end. In terms, let's say, Packers first round draft pick, obviously, what, 30th in this year's draft, mm-hmm. who would you pick in this year for the Packers this year? A lot of people are predicting linebackers. But you know, one of the linebackers. But who do you think the Packers will pick right now if you had to pick today? If I had to, if I had to guess who they will pick, um, I, I see one of, I do see one of the inside linebackers. Um, it all kind of depends on where these guys end up slotting in because you can look at a guy like Jack Thompson, Eric Hendricks. Those are probably the top two guys on my board for for what um, for what the Packers need out of an inside linebacker. Fluid, um, athletic guys who can cover because that's so much of what that position entails at this point. Um, so, so I think one of those guys are definitely um, would be at the top of my board. Um, it, otherwise, if, if you're you know, looking away from inside linebacker, I think a guy like Jordan Phillips, the nose tackle from Oklahoma, he's a real interesting guy. He's big. He's, I mean, he's 6'5", 330. He ran relatively well. Um, and he's got, a, he's got a little connection there with his old defensive line coach, Jerry Montgomery, uh, getting hired in Green Bay recently. So he... Uh, he referred to, the, to Montgomery and himself as a dynamic duo yesterday in his interview. So he certainly would be excited to, to play for Jerry again and, and could be an interesting guy. And, and the, the big question with him isn't even really athleticism or ability or anything. It's He's got this nagging back issue that cost him a lot of his sophomore year two years ago. And if uh, if that stuff all comes up clean, um, and if you see you know a couple of the top inside linebackers taken off the board already before the 30th pick, I could definitely see Phillips uh, – you know, as, as a draft pick coming in and and kind of solidifying that nose tackle position for for the next couple of years. Now, Tex, I, I'd love to as we get into free agency, I'd love to talk to you again because there's I have a whole bunch of questions about not only the current 
free agents that, that the Packers have uh, have their own free agents, but then any other ones. But one last question to kind of set up as we get into free agency season in the draft. Forgetting about like who they would draft at what position, what's a bigger weakness on this team, defensive line or the inside linebacker spot overall? What's the, the biggest uh, deficit that this, this Packer team has? I, I think it is inside linebacker still um, because – I mean, you kind of mentioned to it about about the the, the free agents and and with Raji and Guy on it, it seems like one of those guys at least is going to end up coming back next year. So you've at least got guys who can play at all the positions, and, and even if they don't, you know, you can have Josh Boyd slide inside a little bit. But you at, at inside linebacker, um, you got Sam Barrington who came on a little bit at one side, but at, at that that kind of will inside linebacker position. What do you have? I mean, you've got a guy, Clay Matthews, who, who plays outside, who's at his best outside. Yeah, he, he obviously uh, you know, was an impact player when they did move him inside a little bit. But then you've got A.J. Hawk, who, you know, we just found out, had bone spurs removed from his ankle right after the season was over. And, and that's obviously a big reason for why he was uh, pretty ineffective this season. So, you know, and and, and Brad Jones just gets cut. And, and so now we're, you know, we're really down to – the bare bones of inside linebackers. So, you know, I would not be surprised to see multiple draft picks at that position this year. Um, whether or not they, they get one in the first round, I think is just going to be a, a question of how the draft board shakes out and, and what happens in maybe the 10 or so picks ahead of the uh, ahead of Green Bay. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely would expect that, just like safety last year, that uh, the Packers will invest significant resources in that inside linebacker position. Tex, as always, my friend, great talking with you. I'm sure I'll be here and there, and uh, love to have you back on the show coming up soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do it again soon once free agency gets going. Sounds great. Sounds great, guys. Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Again, follow them on Twitter, at Tex Western, uh, and also like Acme Packing Company on Facebook, easy to look up, as well as on Twitter. I'll take one more quick break. We'll come back, wrap up, talk some Brewers, some WWE Fastlane, and some fun uh, games we're having over here on the Bucky's Fifth Quarter Radio Network. We'll be right back.
Hey guys, this is Jake Kuba Kutzerowski, that's part of the tag team, one half of that tag team known as the Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Everybody, welcome back, Kielbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Thanks for staying with us. We're at the top of the hour. It's 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, about ready to wrap up the show in the next 10 minutes or so. It's, uh, we got, you know, we just had Tex Western on uh, from... He was Packing, very Packing. good, by the way. Very, very, very good. good. I, yeah. I mean, we got some great guests talking Packers in our history that we've had on here. We've had, you know, your, your old running buddy at 540, Bill Johnson. Of course, we had our uh, Polish, our fellow Polish brother from another mother in West Hodkowitz from the Green Bay Press Gazette, uh, Brian Caribou, who we just talked with earlier today, uh, earlier at the top of the hour at one o'clock to start the show. He's always just fascinating with his point of view and just all the information that he's got and their draft guy that they got coming out. Uh, make sure you guys check that out. Uh, and then you got Tex uh, Western with Acme Packing Company. So we'll make sure we're going to try to get ourselves a little round table going on down the road uh, right yeah. before the NFL draft. Uh, and I think once Wisconsin Panther, oh, sorry, Milwaukee, Wisconsin Milwaukee Panther season ends, I'd like to reach out to Bill again and talk some Packers stuff. I know he's been really busy with his play by play duties, but you're right. We've When it comes to football coverage, we've got, we kind of got the, the market cornered. I'd like to do, get one more guy to do basketball. Steve is the best, Haywood. But it's nice to have two guys for basketball. We've got to start finding some baseball. I mean, you know, some, some guys that can start digging into baseball because pitchers and catchers reported this week, and the Brewers' last place campaign is getting ready to start. Now let's talk about this. You said this earlier off the air. What do you think the Brewers are going to be last place? Is it is it be, were you were you that big of a Gallardo fan, or is this something that I'm just completely no, no, missing it's, here? No, it's not about Gallardo per se, because I you know I'm not a Gallardo fan, and you know that signing him long term after this year for the money he was going to want would be folly because he's he wants to be paid like a number one or two. He's a number three. Okay, the the problem I have is twofold. Okay, the offense sputtered at the end of the year last year, is, is, and I don't want to rehash that nightmare. We lived it. We saw it firsthand. The Brewers addressed their offensive roles to, with doing two things. They signed Adam Lind, who can't hit lefties, right? So you still have a platoon situation. So you still have a platoon situation at first base, okay? So there's still that. And they're going to fill the platoon by using Lucroy there, and that means more Maldonado, who's a great defensive catcher, but doesn't help you offensively. All right? The other thing they did offensively to improve was, oh, Ryan Braun had surgery, so he's going to be fine. Well, we hope so, but Ramirez isn't getting any younger. He's very long in the tooth. There's question marks about Braun. Gomez, great. You know, Lucroy's fine, but, you know, he's going to miss most of spring training. But, yeah, you know, he's fine enough as he is. Okay, great. But Segura took a huge step back last year, and I know we had some some terrible things happen off the field that I could not even imagine having to deal with with the loss of a young son. But still, jury's still out, whether or not he's the guy who, who can – we don't, we, you know, he doesn't even necessarily have to be the Segura he was two years ago, but he's got to be better. Stu, Scooter Gannett who isn't a power hitter, and we know that, but can he be consistent here? Can he hit lefties? There's a lot of question marks there. So what they had was, well, they had a starting rotation filled with a bunch of twos and threes, but it was pretty deep until they traded Gallardo. Now, when the, when the Gallardo trade happened, what was all the reports? Oh, they're clearing some money to make a play on James Shields. Well, that didn't happen. So what you're left with is Garza, who... 
is off injured. You know he'll probably miss five or six starts at least this year, right? Yep. Kyle Loesch, who's not getting any younger, who's been great for the Brewers. Don't get me wrong. It was a great signing. And I said it was a great signing two years ago when everybody said it wasn't. It was a great signing, okay? Peralta, who we hope takes that next step, because he really started to look like he could be the ace of the staff in a couple of years, right? And then right. what? And then you got Mike Fires, who I'm still not sold on. He had a good half of a season last year and a good half of a season three years ago and a whole bunch of mess in between. So we don't know. And Jimmy Nelson, who's a two-pitch pitcher who has not developed the third pitch yet. I, I, if it were me, I would have been grooming Will Smith to be a starter, but they love him in that in that setup role, so that's what he's relegated to. But he grew up in the Kansas City uh, system as a starter, but he's not in the mix as a starter. So my point is it's a thin rotation. There's no depth. What happens if someone goes down? Who's the next guy? Helwig? So, yeah. so, you got, so it wasn't that Gallardo left that hurt him. It's that they didn't replace him with somebody similar to him. They didn't replace him with a guy who can, you know, win 12 games and have a whip around 1.2. They didn't find that guy. So that's why, why it worries me in a division that's getting better. I mean, St. Louis has, has gone out and tried to maintain and get better by going out and getting Jason Hayward. Pittsburgh, even though I don't know how they do it, should be contenders again this year. The Cubs got better just by bringing guys up and signing Lester. They're not going to be a last-place team. I don't think they're winning a World Series yet this year, but they're going to be good. They're on the come, man. They're getting better. And then Cincinnati lost a few players, but they're kind of equal to the Brewers. They had to get rid of a couple starting pitchers. But they're right there with the Brewers because they got a lineup that has some guys that can hit, also has some question marks, but a, a good top three in their staff just like the Brewers. So they're similar, and I think they're going to be the fighting out with Cincinnati for the last, for last place in this division. You know, unless the bullpen does something spectacular. I mean, you know, Broxton's going to have to be uh, the closer because they're not going to be signing K-Rod again this year because he only wants $10 million. Um, (laughs) You hope Henderson's healthy. That would be huge if you have him healthy, if Will Smith can do what he did again, and if Thornburg can come back healthy and not get overused by Renneke. But there's there's too many question marks. Now, they could come out and surprise us. And I, To me, though, the ceiling's not as high. What did I tell you last year? People don't like to give me credit when I make bold predictions, but I said last year, when everybody said they were a 79-win team, I said they were going to win the wild card, and they almost did, but they, they overachieved that way. Okay, I said their window, their, their top end, their ceiling was 87 wins, and their bottom end was 80, and they won 82 games. This year, it's not that high. To me, their top end is 83, and their, their floor is 77. Well, 77 wins isn't going to get you. 83 wins isn't going to get you in because the National League got better top to bottom. San Diego got better. Other teams got better. Washington got better. Yep. The Mets should be better if Harvey bounces back. So 83 is not even going to get you in, in contention. So... I, I just think they needed to do more. They needed to get another starting pitcher. Even if you didn't want to overpay Shields, fine, but you needed to do something. You needed a guy who was proven, and Fires and Nelson aren't proven in that spot. And especially because you know you're going to have injuries with Garza. He's going to miss some time. It just happens. So that, that's where the negativity comes from. I'm not, I'm not basing it on last year's collapse, but last year's collapse hurt, man. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. What a tough, what a tough four months because you had that happen in September and the Packers collapse happened in the NFC title game. It was a tough four months, man. 
Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, a new season dawns. We'll see what happens there. We'll make sure we get ourselves a correspondent. Hey, maybe Don Trout Willis. Maybe maybe Don Trout Willis is the answer. Hey, who knows? Hey, reclamation yeah, projects. You've seen what's yeah, happened. Right. You've seen Dude, what's happened that, before. Not, Bold not, prediction, not hot that. take. Willis fifty yeah. saves this year somehow. Fifty saves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's my uneducated hot take for the day. Yeah, that's uh, that's, that's that's a good way to classify it. Is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, other than that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, we, we don't have too much going. Obviously, day twenty five hundreds today. We'll try yeah, to recap that right now as we speak. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then, uh, just some some quick news. Uh, actually, we we kind of been teasing it. Uh, Bucky's with Core. Obviously, they uh, we've just for you, Scott. Let you know too, Scotty. I mean, I've checked stats as of this morning. We've in our eighteen months plus, probably that twenty twenty two months here. We've actually garnered about. 115,000 listens from our shows, which is awesome. Uh, and it, yeah, it's great. Uh, and, you know, like one of our, you know, just for starters, uh, you know, the we're just looking at our stats right now, uh, our December conversation about Paul Christ heading to Wisconsin, uh, 1,300 listens uh, so far, See, which is great. We, we got we to get back the consistency, man. It's been a rough two months, but I'm glad we're back doing this every – because we do – I mean – Every day on, on my Facebook page, I get another message. So-and-so has liked Bucky's before. I'm like, we haven't done a show in a month, and people are still liking us. So, yeah, I know. No, you know, I know. Maybe we stop doing shows, and we get like 1,000 likes, and then come back. I don't know. This <laughs> is based off I of that. I don't know. We, we had more likes when we were gone than we've had since we are there. Maybe, uh, they were, but, maybe they were liking the fact we were gone. I don't know. <laughs> I know exactly. So basically, uh, you know, we've we've really done well. We've had guests on from obviously you've heard today Brian Caribou, Tex Western. We've had audio from game, uh, you know, we've you know from game uh, game day from Melvin Gordon, Gary Anderson. We've had we've talked with obviously other players that we've shown Derek Watt among many others, Chris Borland, Jared Aberderis. We've had on the show uh, along with ESPN's Reese Davis. We've talked with Clark Kellogg from CBS Sports. We we've done a lot. And we're still staying put. We are going to be, like I said, more consistent going forward uh, with this show, with the Kielbasa Kings. We're not going anywhere, but we're happy to introduce our uh, two of our writers, John Ahrens and Drew Hammer, are starting to put together their own podcast. Hopefully it's going to drop this week sometime. It's called The Men in Red. Uh, we've tried, we played around with a lot of, lot of names for it, uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to talk. It's going to be, as we talk more Wisconsin sports broadly, Though we do have a Badger-centric area of expertise here, obviously with who we talk to, we're also Drew and uh, John are going to have more of a Wisconsin Badgers perspective and talk more about that. Uh, and have some crazy, a little bit more crazy zany gimmicks. Yep, and then it, uh, they will also won't have my my sons uh, to talk about. That's great, buddy. Uh, but <laughs> but they'll. Uh, t- We'll we'll talk some, you know, they'll talk more Badger stuff. Have a couple different uh, fun segments as well. So uh, we'll let you guys know once that drops. But uh, we're excited to have them on. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but obviously, Scotty and I aren't going anywhere, uh, and we're it's going to be a lot of fun uh, expanding the role of Bucky's fifth quarter radio overall. And hopefully, we can build it out uh, to have pre and post game shows for football down the road. We we got a vision. It's now just uh, getting the uh, the manpower. Uh, just with everyone's busy schedules, so it's going to be a lot of fun. I guarantee it. But by the way, it sounds like we we don't even need to ever hire like a producer, of, you know, this or TV floor director because you have 
built-in people telling you when it's time to wrap it up. They're like, all right, come on, Dad, wrap it up. It's time to go. Yep, and now i got to fix the – yeah, this entire podcast, by the way, I've been feeding – feeding – what's the – who is this? Sam. We, I've been feeding uh, Samuel, our, our one, of, one of the twins, and he's been resting on my shoulder. He actually spit up pretty heavily on me during our talk with Brian Caribou, which probably describes my best interviewing style. Uh, and then uh, from there, though, uh, you know, we uh, – and then – uh, my two year, my three year old woke up from his nap. So, uh, yeah, you know, definitely uh, they have a good wrap it up segment. Uh, and on that note, uh, guys, guys enjoy uh, WWE Fastlane. Enjoy that. I think Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns should hopefully burn the house down. Uh, yeah, and uh, and be a good show. Uh, I know you're excited to watch. Any other matches from tonight's pay per view you're excited to watch? I'm I'm more interested to see because this pay per view, in in and of itself, doesn't excite me. Uh, from the match standpoint, it's more of a setting the table for WrestleMania because this is the last pay-per-view before Mania. So I'm interested to see how some of the results and some of the things that happen after the matches and even in the tomorrow's Raw should set up the road to WrestleMania. So um, I, I'm curious to see where they go. We, I'd love to have been able to do a show. Me and my buddy kind of booked three weeks ago. We booked what should be their WrestleMania and Actually, some of it's actually happening. Some of it's going a different direction. But maybe one day when we get all of our stuff together and we have some more time, we can actually think about doing a wrestling podcast. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, we could try to. Break, we could always break that down. I know a couple of former Badgers. Nate Tice is one of them. A former quarterback. Uh, he's big into that. I know there's a bunch of guys that from uh, from with the Wisconsin influence that are huge wrestling fans. Wes Hodkowitz, obviously, is one of them. Uh, just dedicate one half of the show talking sports, the other half sports entertainment would be awesome. Uh, so, uh, but on, other than that, uh, we'll let everyone get going. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I'm gonna go change some diapers now, and, and Scotty, uh, we'll talk to you next week. And, and you know, like I said, have a good week, and just really happy that we're back on the schedule, back on the horse, and doing these again. That sounds great. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So, excellent. You guys have a great week. Enjoy. And uh, we'll talk soon. Those of Chenya, my friends. Accordion solo, American Polka, played by Mr. John J. Kimball, Edison Records. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 